0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're giving the people what we want, breaking down divisions. We'll start off with the juggernaut that is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the AFC South. Jeff Erickson, Nick Quinlan here on the RotoWire fantasy football podcast everyone uh, welcome to the rotowire fantasy football podcast we are now uh going five days a week uh nick whalen and i will be going every monday roughly around uh, noon best coast time two o'clock central uh nick welcome to the pod uh, i know you've been doing all sorts of hoops pods so it's not like to pods and mm-hmm. the next in for the last couple of weeks so looking forward to a beautiful friendship here though too how you doing i'm doing well man
2: we we, we just got done with the xm show uh, about an hour ago so we had a nice little warm-up uh, we're gonna hit on a few of the same topics i think we started the xm show this morning uh with a breakdown of, of the jags offensive situation and uh, looking forward to digging in even deeper on this podcast. I, I've always tried to find ways to sneak Jaguars talk into the RotoWire NBA podcast. going to be a hell of a lot easier to do that on this feed.
1: Yeah, there's no sneaking. It's yeah, outriding. Uh, and we actually have news, too. Good news, even. James Robinson, not required to go on the puplist. Had that Achilles injury. Thought that he might not be ready for the start of training camp in the preseason, but here he is. Now, we'll see about what degree of availability he has, but here we are, and... Uh, you know, that, that changes things a little bit. I, I don't think it's going to hurt Travis Etienne as much as people think it is.
2: I mean, this shifts the entire power structure of the AFC, James Robinson, you know, potentially being available for week one. Uh, no, I mean, we discussed it on the XM show and, you know, I think we're going to see maybe, maybe some of the helium that ETN was experiencing these last few weeks. Maybe we see that cool off. Maybe his ADP falls a couple of spots uh, as this looks like it could be a bit more of a timeshare to begin the year, but you know, I think James Robinson was a really nice story the last couple of seasons, really like one of the lone bright spots for this Jaguars franchise, you know, post run to the AFC championship game with Blake Bortles. But I mean, we're talking about a running back coming off of an Achilles injury. So it's great. You know, it's great that he's making progress. It looks like he's ahead of schedule, but you you almost have to bake in like a little bit of regression just because it's such a serious injury. uh, And it's one that, that both he and the team, you know, will likely exercise at least some degree of caution here, but Again, nonetheless, exciting, you know, that he's on the right track. Uh, I'm still not panicking, though. You know, if I'm someone who's been buying in uh, on Travis Etienne, I think every indication is that Etienne will be the guy. And I think, more importantly, they really want Etienne to be the guy. You know, I think James Robinson having him back as a number two, that's a nice luxury, but it's not like they want to open this up and, and make it a true competition. I think as long as Etienne is healthy, he fits a lot more what this offense, you know, I think needs from the running back position.
1: Yeah, we're, we're two coaches removed from when Robinson made his mark. Uh, right. So there, there's no like real degree of loyalty. Looking at a Doug Peterson offense, what do we expect in the usage of the running backs?
2: Well, I mean, ETN is such a unique type of player, and he's not really the type of running back that, that Jacksonville has rostered uh, mm-hmm. in the last few years. You know, Even going back to Fournette, who since leaving Jacksonville, you know, has become much more uh, of a threat out of the backfield, uh, than anybody expected. You know, they used him more as the traditional power back that we saw at LSU. But Etienne is a completely different type of player. He's the type of playmaker at the position that Jacksonville hasn't had for a long time. So I, I think the hope is that he becomes this kind of dynamic combo running back. You know, they're, they're a lot less predictable than they have been in years past. And obviously he has the rapport with Trevor Lawrence dating back to Clemson. So the idea is that Travis Etienne hits the ground running and looks like one of the most dynamic young backs in the league, just like he was, at Clemson a few years ago but you know I, I I've told you before like I I had a chance to draft ETN you know in one of our drafts in Vegas I ended up going with who I view as a slightly safer option in Ezekiel Elliott uh maybe it's just the Jags fan in me that's been burned so many times by by expectations but like I I really hope Travis ETN is good this year there's a lot of reason to believe he will be but I I, I still kind of want to see it you know especially because we got to see you know really almost nothing from him last year as a rookie.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those where, yeah, you know, you had him basically at ADP was the miracle part of it there. In fact, I passed on him kind of mistakenly. Right. I, I actually acknowledge that I may or may not have overlooked him a little bit in that draft last week uh, at 3-8. You had a chance at 3-9 where you consciously passed on him, but Ezekiel right. Elliott was there. And you look at ADP, I mean, they're pretty close together. ETN in the last last month on the uh, NFFC is at 31 Elliot uh is actually at 41 um which that that's got uh our coll- friend and colleague Ellen uh, silassky all in a froth but uh i'm you know at 31 i thought you know i thought i was high on etn uh right. and then i saw the adp and i'm like maybe i'm not uh maybe you know it's one of those things you have good feelings about it but the whole world has good feelings about them
2: yeah strange situation when the whole world is optimistic about any jag skill position player but uh, that that's the world we live in right now, and you know I, I was looking at the Jags' win total and sitting at like six and a half, six, depending on where you look, uh, shaded toward the under pretty heavily uh, at DraftKings or minus one thirty to go under six wow. and a half. But yeah, I, I thought so too. I mean, you're getting two games against the Texans that you know I know they, I think they split with Houston last year. Might have even gone zero and two against the Texans, so maybe that's not as much of a given as it should be. But you know, this is also a team that somehow found a way to beat the Buffalo Bills. Last year, obviously beat a pretty good Colts team in a huge spot uh, in week 17. And I I think you could look almost everywhere on the roster. And even though I I don't necessarily love what they did at receiver, you know, it's hard to get super fired up about Evan Ingram at this point. Like at the same time, you can't argue, this is a much more talented team overall. I I, I still don't know that they have this like, you know, nine, 10 win ceiling. I think that would be like the absolute best case scenario. A a ton of things that have to go right for that to happen, but yeah overall i mean the 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 overall talent floor i think is significantly higher than it was last season even if you you know they didn't go out and get any stars they just went and got out uh, got a lot of really good solid players so if some of that's going to trickle down to to etn and and the running backs it's just going to be it's going to be a much more competent looking football team this year because for most of last year i mean it was it was a comedy of errors
1: yeah it sure was so You know, uh, and and we don't have the, we have an adult in the room in Peterson instead of Urban Meyer, Mm -hmm. but you talked about the the acquisitions. They changed their, almost their entire pass catching core. Christian Kirk, say what you will about the contract. He's a solid, good player in the NFL. They added Zay Jones. They added Evan Ingram, who has caught passes before. He's also fumbled balls before and dropped passes before too. So there's a lot of uh, varying returns on that. Uh, But, you know, it's it's a complete overhaul uh, of their pass catching core. DJ Chark is now in Detroit. Marvin Jones remains. Mm He's so, you know, we got the battle of the Joneses. Often Marvin goes before Zay, unless you're in Vegas, in which case Zay goes first. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just that one draft. Yeah. Uh, Any of these guys targets for you at ADP?
2: Yeah, the the Zay Jones pick by, I think that was Coventry in Vegas. That that felt like a bit of a heat check. I I would not be taking Zay Jones unless it's with probably one of the final picks uh, in most drafts. I mean, Christian Kirk, I, I think, is the guy. By default, and again, it was an overpay, especially relative to some of the other receiver movement that we saw in the weeks after that contract. And I think if the Jags could do it over again, maybe they would have saved some of that money and tried to target someone with with a little bit of a higher ceiling. But at the end of the day, he's still the number one guy. He's being paid like the number one guy. And and right or wrong, there's there's oftentimes kind of an obligation, you know, to make that contract look good. So you know, that's not to say they're going to be in Trevor Lawrence's ear and say, you know, make sure Christian Cork is being targeted 15 times a game, but He's a number one receiver in an offense with a much better coach with a quarterback that we think can take a pretty big step forward in year two and a quarterback that uh, again, for better, or for worse last season, oftentimes for worse is willing to take chances and willing to air the ball out. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, there's a reason that uh, he, he's the second lowest odds to lead the league in picks this year, you know, for as talented of, of an arm as he has, you know, he, he displayed uh, some questionable decision-making and, you know, the, the willingness, I guess, to, to push the ball downfield, which, in a lot of ways, is encouraging. I don't think they had the receiving core for that last year, but I think now they do. You know, if, if Marvin Jones is your third best receiver, you're in a decent spot. Last year, that was not the case. He was far and away their number one target. Uh, that That's going to be a problem. But you bring in Christian Kirk, you bring in Zay Jones. I mean, LaVisca Chenault, pretty big disappointment in 2021. But, you know, now maybe he, he's able to settle into kind of more of a specialized role where you're not expecting quite as much from him. Uh, I think there's a chance that, that he's able to be – Semi valuable for them, probably not in a fantasy context. But you know, I I think you just kind of have to go in order of the depth chart. It's a boring answer, but you know, Kirk Jones. And if if you want to burn a a 16th round pick on Zay Jones and and hope that he you know goes for five or six touchdowns over the course of the year, so be it. Uh, I'm curious to know what you think about Evan Ingram. I mean, is there anything worth salvaging here for a team that you know really hasn't had a, a competent tight end in a while, going going all the way back to you know when they overpaid for Julius Thomas in free agency?
1: Right. There's a name. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think he's a classic change of scenery guy. He had to get out of New York. He had to be snake Pliskin and escape from New York. So I could see it there, but I'm old enough to remember when Dan Arnold was a trendy guy. Yeah. Uh, and he's still there. He he exists. He's a human being, a carbon-based form of life. That's drawing a paycheck from the Jaguars. I, I think that's going to take away from Ingram a little bit there. I still think Arnold can play a little.
2: No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong about that. And um, I'll be interested to see you know how much they they rely on the tight end position I mean Dan Arnold uh, when he played eight games for the Jags last season came over uh, I believe via trade uh, but didn't have over 300 yards uh, didn't get in the end zone but 41 targets across eight games uh, and again what was it, an offense that was oftentimes completely broke down you know looked like it had no idea what it was doing a ton of three and outs um you know the Jags are, are a tough team to project for a lot of reasons but I, I think the one thing we could for sure count on is this is just going to look more like an actual NFL offense. You know, like I wasn't I wasn't doing cartwheels when they hired Doug Peterson, but it it is ultimately an extremely safe hire that is going to get the organization, I think, back on track. It wasn't the highest upside hire, it wasn't the flashiest hire, but as you put it, an adult in the room. And and that is a massive upgrade over where this team was last year.
1: True or false, Trevor Lawrence ends up being a top twelve quarterback this year. Are
2: we talking like fantasy production or fantasy just production? uh i i hate to say it. i think i would say false and, and this is more about just how deep the quarterback position is right yeah. now right i mean like and, and any leagues that you're drafting and like are you even has anybody even considered trevor lawrence as like a qb1 you know i mean it i've seen he's kind of like an upper to, to mid-tier qb2 if you're in a one quarterback league like i just don't see it you know like unless we get a, a bunch of of injuries to big name players um you know there's just too many guys who i think are are sure things you know i mean Holmes, Herbert, Allen, Kyler, Hertz, Burrow, Jackson, Brady, Lance, Prescott, Wilson, Rogers. Like that's, that, that might be 12 guys already, you know? So yeah. unless those guys get hurt, like I think Trevor Lawrence could have a really good year and he could still end up being like the 14th best quarterback in fantasy just because the league is so loaded right now.
1: Yeah. And he doesn't have like Joe Burrow had, like Jamar Chase coming aboard a generational right. receiver. I think that's also the big difference. Yeah.
2: Well, we'll see about Zay Jones, but no, I think you're right. Yeah,
1: yeah. of course. Naturally. <laughs> LaVisca. It's it's LaVisca yeah. time. Remember i I remember when he was trendy. Uh get one target, one fame from the Jaguars, and we'll move on. We spent more on the Jaguars, we're gonna spend on everyone else, but naturally, I mean this is the good part.
2: We have to. We have to. Just like we'll spend more time, I think, on the Cincinnati Bengals Correct. Uh, whenever we get to the AFC North. Um, you know, I for my target, I'm saying I'm going Evan Ingram. And you know, I think it's my Jags bias deep in me. Uh but at the end of drafts, you know, I've been finding myself thinking like, ah, do I wanna just you know, grab just kind of a second option, at tight end, somebody with a bit of a ceiling um, and a lot of it with Evan Ingram comes back to the draft pedigree. Right. And it, it's been enough time that you, you probably should throw that out the window. It doesn't really matter where he was drafted, but as is the case in any sport, like guys who are first round picks are just going to keep getting chances and keep getting chances because every team is going to think that they're the one that can unlock the potential that was there on draft night. So I, I still think there's a chance that, that Evan Ingram, you know, it ends up being a pretty major upgrade, at the tight end position I, I wrote down in my notes for receivers i'm fading them all i like I I, okay. I I like christian kirk a decent amount and again it's like it's an at costing like if he's if he falls i don't have a problem taking the number one receiver in this offense but it just feels like they added a bunch of good to okay players and i i think christian kirk probably emerges as the number one but but ultimately i still think he's a pretty low-end number one receiver so you know if you're targeting him to be like your second best receiver on a fantasy team I, I think that's a pretty big issue especially given how deep the position is like there are there are teams that have three receivers who i would maybe take you know over christian kirk
1: i think i got kirk in the 10th in our draft which is See, well below like adp
2: right that that at that point in the draft 100 fine um uh, but i mean if you're taking him seventh eighth round I, I just think there's too much talent on the board
1: okay fair enough all right that's the jaguars uh what's uh Before we move on, let's do a quick note from one of our sponsors, and we're going to go a little quicker on the other teams. Do you love fantasy sports? Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team salary cap. Can you create a dynasty of champions? Sign up now at DynastyOwner.com and use promo code ROTO5. That's R-O-T as in Tom, O-5, to receive $5 off any new team. Uh, we had uh, the folks from Dynasty Owner on the podcast last year. Great guys. Uh, it's a great product. You should check it out. I know Jared Donabedian is in a league. I think Joe Bartle's in that same league with them too. So uh, you guys can check that all out. Good stuff there. All right. The Tennessee Titans. AFC number one seed last year, uh, they <clears throat> lost their first game, uh, but uh, that's okay because uh, they lost my Bengals. But uh, they uh, are, de- you know, they're uh, a team that uh, not everybody is expecting big things from this year. Trade away AJ Brown. They haven't won a playoff game under you know since the they, had, they at least the last two years under this this core of players. They they won that shocking win against the uh, Patriots a couple of years, three years ago. Yep. And then last year they it, last year they lost the Bengals the year before they lost to the Ravens in a home game. They haven't won a home playoff game. I think that was the stat. They've they've snuck some on the road, but you know, is the window closing for Tennessee? What sort of what sort of expectations do you have?
2: Well, first of all, I mean, you're right. It it, it feels like more recently they had that run. You know, it was already 3 years ago. Uh, they they beat New England and beat Baltimore and then ended up losing to KC. And yeah, it, it really feels like this is the team maybe more than, than any other around the entire league that everybody is pointing to and saying, you know, this team could miss the playoffs. I mean, there's going to be a pretty significant step back. They won 12 games last year. Their, their, Vegas win total is set at nine and that one's shaded toward the under as well. Mm-hmm. So that kind of tells you, you know, where the, where the trend lines are right now when it comes to the Titans and it's hard not to agree. Right. I mean, it, unless Derek Henry bounces back and just throws that entire offense, on his back in a league where everybody knows he's getting the ball all the time, which, you know, it's, it's hard for, hard to picture that being the case. Um, I mean, this is a team that willingly traded away its best offensive weapon in AJ Brown, you know, has a quarterback who's displayed significant growth since the beginning of his career, but ultimately is still a a mid-level QB at best. And, you know, it's just a team that it feels like it, it didn't make any improvements, you know, and they did, they didn't dismantle the roster enough to the point where you're signaling a rebuild, but, uh, after coming up short two years in a row, you know you would think most teams in that situation are, are saying like, "How do we reload? How do you know? How do we add that piece to get us over the top?" Right. And to me, it feels like Tennessee was was willing to take a step back. And you know, oftentimes when you do that, there's a plan. You know, you're, you're targeting a new quarterback, or you know, you're you're trying to get a high draft pick, and that just doesn't seem to be the case. Like they seem to be willfully stepping back into like nine and seven type of territory or nine and eight, excuse
1: me. Right. Ryan Tannehill's a, a feel good story. Now his contract is viewed as an albatross. Right. Uh, and it's, it's a big hit this year. It's like 40 million on the cap. Uh, they, and one of the reasons is they, they, they trade away AJ Brown is because he was going to, he's wanting to get paid commensurate with what all the top receivers are getting paid. Mm-hmm. Instead, they spend a lot of their money on defense, you know, and, Justifiably. I mean, they, they had to spend to get Jeffrey Simmons back. Uh, you know, they had to spend to get Harold Landry back that, you know, their pass rush should be really strong, but they lost AJ Brown. They, they lost Roger Saffold uh, to free agent, their best run blocker. That's a big loss. I think he goes to the bills. Uh, we'll see what happens there. They have another new tight end. Austin Hooper's their lead, lead tight end. They signed a recovering rehabbing Robert Woods from an eight a- who got suffered an ACL tear halfway through the season. We don't know if he's going to be ready for the start of the season. Their first-round pick, Traylon Burks, out of Arkansas. Everybody loves the raw ability, but he was dealing with asthma and conditioning issues in OTAs and mini-camp and rookie camp so far. So we haven't really seen what he can do. There's some highlights here and there, but trying to get a rookie up to speed when he's already missing these reps is tough. You, you can't be missing reps as a rookie. I, I'll tell you, rookie receivers missing that time, it, it's deadly. So uh, they, they really need a full training camp out of him. And they drafted a rookie quarterback. People who thought was going to be the top quarterback in this draft, and Malik Willis, uh, well, he wasn't the first quarterback drafted. In fact, he slipped a little bit. And we had Tannehill saying he wasn't going to be a mentor to him either.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of the the low key like funniest things to come out uh, you know, of draft night is just just pulling the straight up like Brett Favre. Like, no, that's not my job. The next right. question, uh, but no, the Malik Willis thing is really interesting. I was thinking about that, you know, when we were prepping for this pod and. Like, is it that crazy that if, if you know, Tennessee gets off to a rocky start, you know, maybe maybe Derrick Henry goes down again or, you know, Tannehill gets injured. Like, is there is there a scenario where Malik Willis is starting, like, the last six games of the year where it's, it kind of becomes yeah. a lost season and, and they maybe do try to reboot it on the fly? And, you know, you look at Malik Willis, third-round pick, it, it's not like there's this urgency necessarily to get him on the field. But not that long before the draft, you know, probably a month or two before, I remember talking to John McKechnie on the college football pod, and I was saying, like, I think, I think Malik Willis is going to end up being the number one pick. Like as recently as a few weeks before the draft, that was still in consideration. Right. And obviously he ended up sliding for a number of reasons, but that ability is still there. And, you know, if this team does take a step back and they're sitting like sub 500 halfway through the year, you know, there's actually absolutely going to be calls from that fan base to at least see what Malik Willis can offer. Because as you said before, for as great of a story as Ryan Tannehill is, it kind of seems like he's now hit his ceiling, which to be fair is higher than we thought it was, but ultimately still not that high.
1: Yeah. Is Willis the new Trey Lance?
2: <laughs> I think Willis is Trey Lance if he was drafted in the third round, but yeah. probably more exciting than Trey Lance. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you watched Malik Willis tape before the draft. Like it's hard not to be enthused uh, by what you see from Malik Willis. and And of course, a lot of it came against inferior competition that has to be taken into account, but At some point, they're going to give him a chance. He's too talented not to see the field. Maybe it's not this year, but um, I I think it would be a lot more fun if it was.
1: Yeah. And that's why I drew the comp, too. You know, uh, athletic quarterback went, had to go to a lesser school, so to speak. Right. Uh, Didn't get as many college reps as some of his other compatriots in the draft. But uh, so it's a little bit of an unknown. All right. We haven't even discussed the Derrick Henry question. Are you in or out on Derrick Henry in the first round?
2: I am in on Derek Henry in the first round. And I've yet to get him based on a uh, confluence of just, you know, other people also being in on him and, and, you know, having a lot of drafts where I've been in the late first round, but I'm in, I, I I said like the first show we did together on XM, like if I, if I had to choose to trust McCaffrey or Henry, I'm choosing Derek Henry. And and it does feel like the consensus has maybe gone the other way that, you know, this is the year that McCaffrey bounces back and stays healthy. But uh, I, I get the concern with Derek Henry. I get the workload concerns, but to me, he just he feels built for this position. Like when he's healthy, I still think he has a lot left in the tank. You know, if, if you want to say you don't trust the foot, I, I get that. I could buy into that argument, but I, I don't think if he stays healthy that he's just gonna run out of gas and, and all of a sudden, you know, fade into, into oblivion over the next couple of years. As a lot of, you know, I'm thinking like DeMarco Murray, you know, back in the day, you know, looked like he was gonna be this workhorse and two years later he's out of the league. Like I think Derrick Henry's on a different level from a player like that. Uh, so I'm in, you know, I, I would happily invest a first round pick. In Derrick Henry, and and I I think he's a better investment than Christian McCaffrey.
1: Can I can I bet the don't on both? Uh, Because that's where I'm do Both
2: for sure. Yeah. I mean, the the type of fantasy player I am, I would love to fade both, but at some point you're gonna have to make that choice. I just
1: moved Henry out of my first round, the top 150. He's now like 13 or 14 in my ranking. So, Mm -hmm. but I've also I'm lower than the industry on McCaffrey. I think I'm like nine on McCaffrey. So, yeah, I'm not getting either. I'm give me one of the three receivers over him. Give me Najee Harris over them, and give me uh, Eckler over them too. Uh, But you know that that, that's and then if you force me to do like Mixon versus Henry, I'll probably go Mixon. Uh, So that that, that's that's where I'm at. So Derek Henry is my fade. I'll I'll go out on a limb on that. Uh, Just I'm just not going to pay that full price. Now I was deadly wrong. Like emphatically wrong until he got hurt last year. I just saw that playoff game against the Bengals getting tackled by DBs, getting run down a couple of times. Yeah.
2: He he looked a little (sighs) iffy in that game. Uh, I will say that that was, that was just a a strange game all around. I was looking at Ryan Tannehill or uh, the Joe Burrow's line from that game. I forgot he was sacked nine times in a game that they won.
1: And hit so many more other times. I mean, he made some key throws at key times, like the, the game winning Uh, field goal I mean he's had a great uh, out pattern to to chase that got them in field goal range and you know Evan McPherson the best kicker of all time we knew he was going to make that kick but uh, I will take you know my sleeper here is uh, Nick Westbrook-Akini I'm going to bet the don't on Burks and Woods a little bit here and I think Westbrook-Akini might be their top receiver but I'm going to get him like stupid late in best balls
2: I, I'm still cautiously optimistic on Robert Woods. I think he's been one of the most underrated players in the league for a long time. Obviously, the injury is a major, major factor here. But, um, you know, if, if he can if he can recover quickly and, and get back on the field, uh, I, I'm still a believer in Woods, but I'm with you on Traylon Burks. I, I, I think Jamar Chase and, and Justin Jefferson and, and guys like that have set an unrealistic standard 100%. for rookie receivers to just come in and contribute, and, and now it just seems like we're going to get two or three of those guys every year. I don't think that's the case. I think I think Chase and, and Jefferson are all time, you know, maybe like on course to be top 10, 15 at their position ever type of talents who just happen to come into the league around the same time. I, I don't think that's going to become the new standard. So, you know, I don't I don't I'm not saying that Traylon Burks is going to be a complete bust based on a, a couple of negative reports from minicamp. But, I, I you know, if, if you're drafting that guy and saying like, well, you, you might step in as the number one receiver. Yeah, that might be the case, but he's not going to do anything close to what we've seen from, from Jamar chase last season or or Jefferson two seasons ago.
1: Yeah. I think if you've got an LSU receiver coming out, then sure. Let's go with it there. But yeah, uh, yeah, otherwise maybe not so much. Uh, The Indianapolis Colts might be the favorite in the division. They uh, although again, this is like year eight of trying to find a replacement for Andrew luck, even though it's like year five, but it feels like Mm -hmm. it's year eight, but every year uh, the uh, LA chargers did their, their social media department did their schedule reveal. And for the Colts game, they just did a, anime of a, a a merry-go-round with various different quarterbacks and it was it was fantastic and uh, one of them was uh, Philip Rivers in a bolo tie it was it was pretty pretty solid they still love Philip Rivers in Chargers land but uh, you know they every year they've been trying to replace it they Carson Wentz was woefully short last year against the juggernaut that is the Jaguars past defense we know that that was a big right. part of that that's a, t- uh, that's a tough ask yeah it is it is uh, now they're going with Matt Ryan As he is like the definition of vanilla and steady and stable and league average as you can get right now. He he wasn't a league quarterback at one point in time. He's not that no one expects that, but is he enough stability to make this Colts offense hum?
2: I think he is. I I think he is. I I, I mean, like you said, relative to expectations and shockingly by sports fan standards, I I think expectations seem to be pretty realistic for Mm -hmm. what Matt Ryan could do here. And, you know, it's kind of the, the third go around of this new, you know, just find a new guy every year and hopefully it works strategy for the Indianapolis Colts. And in some ways I do commend the Colts for not, you know, not giving up a boatload of draft picks to, to move up in the draft. Um, you know, not reach for like a Kenny Pickett or somebody like that in last year's class. Um, You know, I, I don't think they've necessarily made any mistakes. They've just kind of been in, they've been just out of range to draft the elite quarterbacks. And I, I think you're better off doing this type of strategy where you could still compete on the fly. I mean, you're bringing in a former MVP who's, I think, you know, at least a few years past his prime, but it's still enough that you're favored to win the division. Like you said, the Colts are minus 125 at DraftKings, Tennessee, plus 170. And then, you know, pretty big gap down to teams like Jacksonville and Houston at the bottom of that division. But I mean, clearly the Colts have done enough here to, to, to be the favorite. And I think they've given themselves easily the highest floor, of any team in the division. I don't, I don't even think that's up for debate at all. You know, like, oh, if, the Matt, if the Matt Ryan thing goes wrong, like, what does that mean? You, you win nine games, 10 games, you know, like his Matt Ryan is just such a safe quarterback that there's no possible way you would have you know, the, the ship just completely sink. Like it did at the end of last year. Like it, Matt, Matt Ryan led Colts team last year, just does not lose to that Jaguars team.
1: Agreed. And probably not the Raiders the week before either. Uh, right. Remember exactly. that, that, that got the Raiders in and the Colts out uh, that game yeah. right there. So Carson came and Wentz, uh, but uh, and by the way, that was yeah. I know. Get used to that. I, by the way,
2: yeah. There's, there's plenty I, I, more
1: where that came from. Uh, but that 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 trade was actually a misstep by the Colts by Ballard and the Colts. Uh, that getting Wentz in the first place, so they gave up right. a first in that one, um, so that, that was a little tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Michael Pittman is, as a consequence of getting uh, Ryan, you know, Pittman's a guy that's on the rise. Uh, we ADP in the NFFC since July 1st is 28. That's ahead of AJ Brown. That's ahead of uh, Jalen Waddle, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Mike Williams, so to name a, much, a, a few. I kind of think that's betting on the come a little bit. I, I think it's a little high for my liking.
2: It, it's a little high, but you know, you're talking about a guy who had 88 catches, uh, almost 1,100 yards, six touchdowns from Carson Wentz last year. Mm-hmm. And if we th- if we think the Wentz to Ryan upgrade is fairly significant, I, I think there's reason to believe that that does trickle down to Michael Pittman in a big way. And, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot of receiving cores on the XM show over the last few weeks. I don't think we've talked about the Colts at all. And, you know, I, I, I forget what team I, I said this about earlier today, but the the gap between Michael Pittman and whoever you think the Colts' number two receiver is, that has to be the biggest in the league. I mean, are, is Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, Ashton Doolin, are these guys even being drafted in any leagues that you're doing? I mean, it's, it's Michael Pittman and it's everyone else. Uh, on the, in that Colts receiving course. Not to mention the tight
1: end court isn't even that great. Right.
2: Right. Mo Alley Cox every now and then, you know, it seems like he'll have a game where he'll he'll vulture a touchdown or two, but other than that, I mean, this is a just massive, massive one and everybody else type of situation. So the combination of that plus the quarterback upgrade, you know, maybe it does feel like Pittman's rising a little too much, but I at least understand the logic behind it. You know, if Matt Ryan's going to throw 25 to 30 touchdowns, how many of those are going to Pittman? I mean, it, it seems like it could be half.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, we've seen, you know, Ryan's career is he's not prolific and connecting with the wide receivers in the end zone.
2: Yeah. You know, ask Julio Jones. I mean,
1: (laughs) yeah, we've talked about it. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I mean, yes, there is no game in town until there is a game in town. I don't know. I think maybe Pierce steps up there. They they still believe in Campbell. I think it's probably a mistake that Pierce and Campbell are so low, to be honest with you.
2: I love, I love the idea of Paris Campbell. I mean, extremely exciting player to watch back in the day at, at Ohio state, but he's played what seven, two and six games, you know, in, yeah, in the yeah. last three oh, years in the NFL. So there's, you know, if he stays healthy, I think he's the guy I, w- I would target to be that number two. It's just, I, I think as of right now, you can't like confidently throw anything, but like your final pick in a draft at any Colts receiver. Right. And I think hopefully in a few weeks or in a month, you know, maybe we get some news that one of those guys is really emerging Um, because I think this is going to be a productive enough offense that there's certainly room for more than one receiver uh, to be productive for fantasy purposes. But I think as of right now, like if the season started next Sunday, you'd have to go in and say, look, I'll, I'll draft Michael Pittman and I'm going to keep a very close eye on what this offense looks like in week one and week two. Um, because I think there's going to be a receiver worth grabbing off the waiver wire. We just don't know who it is yet.
1: Yeah, prediction that a lot of a lot of Colts receivers are gonna cat pass catching options are gonna be picked up and dropped a lot this year. Yes. Um yes. I think that yeah, it's kind of like last year, as a matter of fact. Uh, it's just that the names have changed a little bit. Kiki Kuti is on the roster there. So there you go. <laughs> Could happen. Naeem Hines, this is the year. Philip Lindsay, he's there now. Oh, All right. More people that we're gonna be faux afraid of for Jonathan Taylor's purposes? No. Mm-hmm. Still one one for you. Is there anybody else you take one one besides Taylor?
2: I mean, unless you're in a, a weird format that like really overvalues receivers, you no, know, Um, you know, or, you know, certain, certain super flex league, maybe a quarterback, but no, I, I mean, I was going to ask you, you've, you've been, you know, in the weeds on fantasy football as long as pretty much anybody. Is this, is this as much of a no brainer number one as there's been since, well, I mean, like, do we have to go back to LaDainian Tomlinson? I mean, did, did Adrian Peterson ever reach this kind of point?
1: Yeah. I think Peterson made at one point there. Uh, yeah. Tomlinson, Sean Alexander, uh, those, yeah. those guys, I mean, yeah, you know, it, it's pretty much locked in. I've seen some CMC pop up here and there. I think Pete Overzet, for instance, is making the case for uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey. But uh, as alluded, neither of us are going to be that guy. So yeah, um, n- not here, at least. Uh, obviously, that only applies to standard leagues, not super flex leagues. Super flex leagues, then, of course, you take a quarterback that's fine. Uh, it's a lot different there. Uh, before we move on to the Houston Texans, I'm going to insert a quick note from our Blue Wire sponsors. All Rotowire podcasts are on the Blue Wire Network, and we uh, insert their ads here because of that. Thanks to the Blue Wire Network. Let's talk Houston Texans. Uh, okay, so if the Colts are the favorite, the Texans are the favorite to be the bottom, and maybe one of the bottom three teams in the league. I don't think their roster oh, yeah. is as bad as last year, but it, it's pretty darn bad. It's pretty close.
2: Yeah, it's, it's pretty close. They are the favorite at DraftKings to have the worst record in the league. Uh, they're obviously fourth in this division uh, as far as the odds to win it. Uh, I, I think they're just they're just in a much different spot than every other team in this division, and really yeah. most teams in the entire AFC. And and you know they 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 were neck and neck with Jacksonville last year. I mean the Jags were the worst team uh, between the two, so we, we can't sit here and act like the Jags are you know competing for the Super Bowl. But they at least have their quarterback in place. You know that they, there's a lot to like about the direction that the Jaguars are going. Uh, you know Tennessee kind of dealing with like the post Deshaun Watson fallout. You know just kind of losing. Like you, if you're, if you're the Texans a year and a half ago, you thought you had your guy for the next 15 years. Like you were sick right. and just having that rug pulled out from under you in the way that it was, um, you know, it, it's unrealistic to expect them to bounce back right away. So obviously this is not a franchise that's had a ton of success, but uh, I think just about any team would be in this position given what happened with Deshaun Watson. So, you know, it's, it's hard to, you, know, you don't want to give them sympathy necessarily, but uh, when you have your quarterback just pulled from the roster in that way, uh, you know, you're, you're going to bottom out. That's just the way it works. So, right. I, you know, we've talked a lot about Davis Mills. I, I think you and I are, are pretty in on him as far as, you know, what his future could be, uh, you know, what the ceiling is. I, I don't really know, but um, even the worst teams in the league score touchdowns, they put up points, they're going to win a couple games. So there's going to be fantasy value here, but it's, it's pretty bleak. You know, I, I think the one thing when you, when you do look up up and down this roster is, you Know nobody wants to target the Texans, so if you're the one who you know can grab Brevin Jordan, you know, who projects as their top tight end, or you know, you were talking on the XM show today, Jeff, about you know your love for Nico Collins as a potential number two, I'm uh, like
1: for Nico Collins, yeah, yes. I shouldn't say love, that, I'm that, like, I mean. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: you're you have a decent uh inclination for Nico Collins, we'll say, uh, but you know, there, there's going to be production to be had here, and mm-hmm. in, in every draft that I've done, I think Brandon Cooks is usually the only. Texans player to come off the board maybe somebody else you know snag davis mills as like a second or third quarterback but um you know I, I think i think it's it's possible that the Texans are being overlooked at least a little bit here
1: right uh and again you know people will draft marlon max somewhere mm-hmm. why i'm not quite sure burkhead damian pierce is the rookie so everybody yeah people will draft pierce because everybody loves a good rookie sleeper i mean we spent time on tyler algier today uh for the falcons right. on xm so Pierce is going to get some buzz at some point in time. Fourth round uh, pick uh, this year's draft. Um, our draft note on him, this has to be a Mario Puig note. He goes, Pierce is only a middling NFL running back prospect. Out of that That's like so Mario. Yes. Um, but opportunity is the least important in fantasy football. And he does have tremendous opportunity. I mean, it's Burkhead and Mack and Bryce Freeman and Daria Ogunbanwole. Ogun- I mean, it's it's not a deep running back room to say it's not a good running back room. Uh, Someone's got to catch passes. I like Davis mills a little bit. Uh, I like Collins a little. Chris Conley will have like two awesome games and like 10 duds and, and be hurt the other five. Uh, So that that's, that's he's hard to use, but
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Brevin Jordan's could be fun. I'll say this, if you're trying to get like this a, a super cheap pairing, I mean you go Cooks and Mills and underdog and you get Mills and they're like the 17th round or something like that, maybe 16th round as your QB3. You get a little pairing for those 5 weeks where they light it up. That'll be nice to have.
2: Yeah, I mean if we're playing the target and fade game here, like it's it's fairly obvious, right? I think the target almost has to be Brandon Cooks, you know, if you want to say Nico Collins at the end of a draft. Um I I mean I are there any of those running backs that you really love? I mean, I know we talked a little bit about Damian Pierce. It seems like as a rebuilding team, maybe they make a point to give Damian Pierce some carries. Like I, you're not developing Mar- Marlon Mack. You're not developing Rex Burkhead at this point. Uh, but, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's pretty bleak. I, I don't think there's yeah. a whole lot to say here.
1: Rex Burke had one of the, ha- had like one of the great fantasy games of the season on everyone's bench last year. Um, I believe at, at the chargers game. Yeah, uh, the, uh, yeah, I think it was the Chargers game. Week 16, 22-149, yeah. two touchdowns. Uh, just crazy, crazy game there. He doesn't catch a whole lot of passes. This is like he's bounced around organizations. Was former Bengals star Rex Burkhead here. Of course. Uh, but actually, he, he was very popular as as a, as a college player in Nebraska, but uh, yep. that's no one really expected much from him. It took him a long time. Uh, I say a question. In the forum, Rod. We'll get to your question at the end of the podcast. Uh, you know, if it's about one of these teams we're doing, we'll hit it right away. Otherwise, general questions we'll hit at the very end. Uh, but do, do thank you for uh, chiming in there. Uh, let's move on. Let's hit the AFC East. Start heading up the the favorite, maybe the consensus favorite in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, lots of fantasy fun here. Lots of reasons to be optimistic. Let's jump on on the. Twitter, you know, fantasy Twitter thread every day of Gabriel Davis. He is the hot button issue in our industry. Mm-hmm. What's your comprehensive stance on Gabriel Davis?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, you're right that I, I see more Gabriel Davis chatter on Twitter than any other player by a mile. And I, I think by following Mario Puig, uh, that's what's really exposing me uh, to a lot of this. And he's very <laughs> pro Gabriel Davis and, and and Mario's a smart guy. He's an opinionated guy, but but he does the work and he knows what he's talking about. Um, I, I think there's there's a ton to like here because, like you said, Buffalo is is they're, they're not maybe the favorite. They are the favorite uh, right now at the DraftKings Sportsbook, six to one to win the Super Bowl. By far the lowest odds uh, of any team in a loaded AFC. So that, that's saying a lot. I mean, if they were in the yeah. NFC, they might be like you know I don't know plus three hundred to win the Super Bowl. But um, I mean, we, Josh Allen I think is is one of the prohibited MVP MVP favorites, and a lot of that is is what he does on the ground. But you know, you would imagine as his career moves on. You know, they try to preserve him a little bit more and, and take advantage of what he offers as a passer. I think Gabriel Davis moves up from being the number four guy to the number two guy in in what could be maybe the most productive offense in yep. the NFL. So, I, I mean, I'm in on him. I, I, I don't have a ton of Gabriel Davis shares, mostly because, you know, he is being kind of bid up in, in a lot of these drafts and, and people are really eager to draft him. The one thing I will say is he he does have such a stud number one ahead of him in Stephon Diggs that, You know, like I I took I took Stephon Diggs with the third pick, um, or excuse me, the fourth pick in the second round of our Vegas draft last week. If if you're expecting Stephon Diggs to be maybe the fifth or sixth best fantasy receiver in the league, is there necessarily room for both of these guys to have huge years?
1: I think there is, although I think they want to run the ball a little bit more this year. That, as indicated by uh, signing Saffold and maybe, and then of course, like drafting James Cook. Uh too. I think, although Cook is also receiving back, but you know, they actually got good good run out of Devin Singletary out of the end of the year last year, too. But I think there's room for those. I also think I think there's room for three. I think Jamison Crowder is really good, a really nice target late. Um, and you add him, and he's your bye week receiver or your flex play in a best ball league. I absolutely love it. Of course, mm-hmm. we always say he's great in best ball. Of course, everyone's better in best yeah, ball, right. of course. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's plenty to support this uh, here. The schedule will be tougher for the Bills. That is one thing that's going to be pretty nasty. Everybody's looking forward to Week 17, Bengals-Bills. Uh, I think it's going to be an amazing game, but I don't know if it's a ticket to the Carnival, Nick, because these teams are supposed to have good defenses. So it may not be like the shootout everybody thinks it is. Just mm-hmm. even though the skill position players are amazing on both teams, might not be the shootout. I don't know.
2: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, it's going to be a really good game for sure. But yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if it's a 24 to 21 game, not a, you know, I don't know, 40 to 37 type of game. It's like, that's, that's what we want as football fans is you want two really good teams to just keep going back and forth. But, but yeah, like you said, both teams uh, defensively, I I think Buffalo, especially, um, you know, is that, is that even something that's in the back of your mind as you start to value these guys fantasy wise of like, you know, there might be a lot of weeks where Buffalo is up, you know, 31 to seven through three quarters. And, you know, maybe, maybe they take the, Uh, or you know they hit pump the brakes i guess a little bit in the fourth quarter i guess on the other hand you could say you're probably looking at that game against the jags last year and saying man this is going to be a huge this is going to be a massive opportunity josh allen's going to have 100 rushing yards at the half and i don't even think they scored a touchdown in that game
1: yeah i I recall that one that was a survivor carnage game too by the way that was that was beautiful um yeah and the thing is even if they get the 31 to seven in the third quarter, guess what? They got the 31 in the third quarter. You've probably exactly. gotten your, you've gotten your production. So no, I don't, I don't really adjust my strategy and I don't even really do it for schedules. Um, I know some people like to do it for best ball purposes and it's valid. I get it. I just don't typically spend a whole lot of time on that.
2: It's just so hard year to year. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, if, I think if you, if you kind of do your own schedule analysis, I, I like that, but you know, a lot of like the default schedule, you know, if you look at like strength sch- of schedule, Uh, metrics. It's just based off of last year's records. Like that doesn't tell you anything. I I mean, it does feel like this year there's maybe a little more carryover, like a lot of the teams that were good last year project to be good again, but it's the NFL. I mean, there's just, there's no, you know, there's no consistency or at least reliable consistency uh, year to year. But yeah, I mean, to to close the book on Buffalo, uh, obviously going to be a really fun team to watch a team that when you're led by Josh Allen, it just automatically means you're going to have other productive players around this roster um we, we didn't really touch on the tight end spot though for Yeah for the I am not yet. closing
1: that book yet by the way. I've got more okay. I'm opening it right back up cuz okay. we got stuff to talk about. Yeah, Dawson Knox is hurt. Are coming into the right. season hurt a little bit. He was good at times except for a, a couple key drops here and there but he yes. had some he had some games uh too uh they also signed oj howard who i'm he's like my white whale i'm holding on to him in a dynasty league this is the year oj howard fulfills yes. his potential could not do it with tom brady but you know okay fine maybe he'll do it elsewhere no i don't know mm-hmm. still holding on to him in this one dynasty league i don't know
2: right right i mean oj howard is much like evan ingram right where like mm-hmm. the, the draft pedigree just buys you a full decade of like well this guy you know he's, he's too good to fail and you know he, he's already washed out uh, in a couple spots but i, I think I think Buffalo is a great spot to, at the very least, rehab your value, right? I mean, if if OJ Howard is your second tight end, you're doing pretty good. And
1: I want the Bengals to sign him. I absolutely wanted them to sign him.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would, I think him and he and Evan Ingram are, you know, about the same type of player to me. I would have been thrilled if he ended up in Jacksonville. But I mean, I I like Dawson Knox. I actually had him in one of my my favorite leagues last year. And it was a big reason that that I was successful because he had nine touchdowns uh, in 15 games. But that's got to come down. Right. Partially because yeah. of the presence of OJ Howard, partially because of the emergence of Gabriel Davis and partially because it was just unsustainable, you know, for for a tight end um, you know, to have, to have that kind of touchdown production, which he's never had, you know, the previous two years. Um, I, I still like Dawson Knox as a, as a late round, you know, potential tight end target. But if you're expecting him to repeat last year's performance touchdown wise, I, I just that's just not going to be in the cards.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Running back. Devin Singletary at 77 or James Cook at 104. That's the NFFC ADP PPR league.
2: James Cook, I, I'm much more excited about James Cook. I, I feel like I keep getting uh, getting sniped when I'm I'm about to take James Cook. Uh, that that happened again uh, in, in Vegas. I, I really really want to get a piece of James Cook. I, I think yeah. oftentimes like when, when you draft a, a rookie running back, like there's just kind of this internal like excitement and obligation. Like you you want to get him involved. Um, especially when the top guy is, is a, a fun player in, in Devin Singletary, but ultimately not someone, you know, that you view as a bell cow back. I, I think, I think James Cook is, is the more exciting player of the two uh, to own. And I, I think it, it's starting to feel like that gap uh, is closing already. And, and a lot of people are starting to think that, you know, maybe by weeks four week five, this could be uh, something that, you know, if James Cook shows enough early on, he starts to be viewed as the number one guy.
1: Yeah. And uh, there's the name value, of course brother of yep. Galvin. Um, so people are going to expect a different type of player though. It's kind of interesting.
2: Yeah. It doesn't but. hurt to have that pedigree though.
1: No, it certainly doesn't. One other note uh, on the bills, uh, lots expected of their defense, uh, their top corners for Fredavius white coming back from a major injury uh, and his injury against, you know, it was, you know, badly felt against the chiefs last year in the playoffs uh kair i mean they're expecting a lot out of him right away their first round pick out of florida so he's going to probably start right away maybe opposite white even if white is back all the way they're going to expect a lot out of him look for him to get a lot of targets early on so uh you see their opponents go after him maybe perhaps a little bit uh before we move on to the uh other uh teams in the afc east we're going to share another quick note from our uh, sponsors Do you love fantasy football, but struggle to get your friends or loved ones interested? You're in luck. Fantasy Football for Dummies is the book for you. It takes anyone by the hand and walks them through everything you need to know about playing fantasy football, from the basics of drafting to more advanced concepts and strategies for weekly play and the playoffs. There's even a new section devoted to daily fantasy sports and how to win real cash prizes. With this book, your friends and loved ones will get up to speed on your favorite game and be able to hold their own in any fantasy football league. They'll have all the information at their fingertips to make informed decisions on how to have a successful draft, who to start, and who to bench each week. And finally, they can experience the thrill of victory and avoid the agony of defeat against their competition. Who knows? They might even get good enough to beat you as well. Share the love and purchase your copy of Fantasy Football for Dummies today. All right, I'm Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We're touring the AFC South. Miami Dolphins, significant makeover this offseason. Uh, both at wide receiver and the offensive and the offensive line should, you know, you've talked about this. They've got one of the best trio of pass catching targets in football now.
2: Yeah, they really do. And and I said on the XM show that this would probably be like my favorite team to watch you know, in the NBA. People always talk about like, what, what's your league pass team? Maybe not the best team, but the team yeah. that you have the most fun watching. And I, I'm not a two a guy, but I, I love watching Tyreek Hill. I love watching Jalen Waddell. Last season, uh, you know, you and I went, went on and on on the show uh, about Mike Gusecki and what a yep. nice kind of lower end, tight end target he is. Um, the backfield, very much unsettled. Uh, I think I'm a little more in on Chase Edmonds than you are. You know, Raheem Mostert, Sonny Michelle Miles Gaskin, uh, a lot of names still in that backfield. But ultimately, the Dolphins are going to come down to Tua, right? I, I think yep. this was a, a team with a, a really good defense last year. As you noted, they improved the offensive line. That should help Tua. Uh, but this this feels like kind of a sink or swim year for him, and and I, it's not like he's going to be out of the league if it goes poorly. But this is going to tell us a lot. I mean, this is the the best supporting cast he's had around him. Um, everything you know, this is the year I think where we'll we'll know if Tua is going to be you know a future star in this league or he's just going to be kind of just another guy.
1: Yeah, um, and he doesn't have to be a star necessarily to be like for this team to win with the weapons that they have around him. Uh-huh. But he has to be at least league average, and he yes. wasn't for a long time last year. He was at he was actually holding him back. I think he got right. better as the season progressed a little bit, but ultimately it fell short. Uh, you know, they, they, the organization clearly did not give him the boat of confidence with all the dalliances with uh, Deshaun Watson. So, you know, that clearly, I mean, although we we had the whole Brian Flores saga versus the GM versus the owner and all that maybe that's settled a little bit more. Maybe there's maybe more, uh, uh, more vote of confidence for Tua than there was before, but they've, they've certainly provided the support for him a little bit more. Right. Uh, he doesn't have an excuse this year as much. I mean, the offensive lines improved. Terran Armstead is supposed to protect them. Uh, that's going to be huge. Uh, getting Tyree kill uh, getting I mean, whether Chase Edmonds, whether I'm in on Chase Edmonds, he's definitely an improvement, especially in the passing game or the current option. Right. So we'll see. I think it, the reason I'm not in on Edmonds is I just don't think he's going to handle goal line carries at all. And I don't think he can ha- handle an overall workload. I think he'll be fine for a while and then it will break down a little
2: bit. I, I think that's a fair assessment. And, and there's a reason that they brought in so many other guys behind him. Right. I, I, yep. I think it's, it's a very clear uh, non bell situation. I think that's a good read on it. You know, you mentioned uh, you're spot on that to it, He doesn't have to be a star and you're, if he can be league average, that's great. But when you start to look at like who is the league average quarterback at this point, it's like, there's so many big names at the top that, you know, that you might be talking about like Derek Carr or, you know, Kirk cousins as league average quarterbacks, guys who, it feels like in years past would probably be closer to the top 10. So I I think that when you hear league average, you just think like, you know, kind of game manager type, but league average in, in 2022 means you're like a borderline pro bowler. So I think that standard has been raised a little bit and, you know, to be a league average quarterback, you don't need to quite be a star, but you got to be close.
1: Yeah. I mean, I uh we talked earlier about Trey Lance earlier and how I'm not paying the price for him. One of my right. favorite things to do uh if I'm waiting on quarterback is get like go Cousins and Tua or Carr and Tua. Uh you know, any combination of those three. I I and I feel just fine. Um, and I, I, think that, you know, meanwhile, someone's going to take Lance ahead of me and maybe Lance will blow up. Maybe I'm, I'm going to be done as Tim Schuler likes to say, donning the jester's motley and I'll be really wrong. I'll have the egg on my face about this, but I, I I'm not going to have any Trey Lance this year. Um, no, and you I will play have your to flag up. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I. If I, you know, I'm not always waiting on quarterbacks, but if I am that this is definitely a path for me and, you know, just so many different options. Plus he's going to get you some, some, uh, little scrambling here and there. He's going to get you a little bit of love on the ground, not a ton. Uh, Pre-hip injury. Yes. A lot more, but uh, man, he was so much better before that injury at Bama. Uh, So he's so good before that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever see that version again, but especially in the NFL, it's a little bit different animal anyhow. Uh, Any other targets of fades on this team for you?
2: I think we covered it pretty well. You know, we, we hit yep. on Gusecki. Um, you know, I think it's pretty, pretty straightforward as far as this being a kind of a two receiver offense between Hill and Waddle. It's just, it's a really interesting pairing. You know, it, it's like it, in the NBA, it's, it would be like pairing like, you know, Damian Lillard with Stephen Curry or something, you know, you have two like, right. you know, very similar, smaller, quick, fast, you know, kind of possession type of receivers get the ball in their hands and let them work. Obviously Hill's a little bit more of a deep threat. Waddle was a deep threat. Uh, at Alabama, it felt like they used him a lot more as kind of this quick slant type of guy, um, you know, quick outs, things of that nature right. last season. So I, I think it's going to work. I, I think when you have two guys that are that dynamic, it's it's almost like too big to fail. But it's going to be very interesting to see how they adjust to playing next to each other.
1: Yeah, it's funny. They don't throw deep that often with Tua. And the argument was he doesn't have the the, the arm for it. But his stats on deep balls are actually pretty good. So maybe it was just they caught him by surprise every time they threw deep or Waddle made a play or something like that, which is not a bad strategy, by the way.
2: Yeah. I I will say, too, the last thing on the Dolphins, it's a little suspicious how much praise Tyreek Hill has been heaping. Yeah. uh, He's He's trying too hard. Suspiciously optimistic. Yeah, to the point where you're like, you know, you don't don't hear even about the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You don't have people saying things like this. So uh, it feels like a little bit of uh, maybe overcompensating, but. We'll see, maybe we'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now,
1: especially when it's at the uh, expense of Mahomes. It's just, I'm not yeah, buying right. it, I'm just yeah, not well, buying and, it at all,
2: yeah, right. And nobody is, it's so funny that like the reaction is not like, oh wow, this is nice of him to say that. It's like, how could you possibly say this about Patrick Mahomes,
1: right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Pats. They actually made the playoffs last year. well, uh, we won't talk about that game, Mike yeah. Doria. Sorry, uh, but. I think the Bills still haven't been stopped by the Pats, which is so weird compared to the last time they played uh, in the regular season. It was that right. uglified game, which yeah. just quite a difference. But the Pats were broken by that point in time by injury, and it just yeah. it got rolling and they couldn't play catch up. Now, Mac Jones in year two, he was an efficient quarterback, but he was more of a game manager. I, I don't think anybody expected him to kind of air it out, and I don't think people expect him to air it out this year either.
2: No, not really. I I think he was exactly what they wanted him to be last year. It was a a very conservative offense, uh, an offense that I think for most of the regular season, just, it was such a classic Patriots team, right? Just doing just enough to win every week, finding ways to just kind of manufacture first downs. And I I think eventually you want to open it up a little bit more, but we also saw this, this was an offense that even with Tom Brady at the helm, was, was relatively conservative and, and, you know, didn't really have a ton of, uh, you know, spend up talent at the receiver position. And once again, that's the case. Um, you now you, you, go out and get Devante Parker, but they part ways with Nikhil Harry. Uh, you, know, you still have Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Nelson Aguilar, some decent options in the receiving core, but yeah. you know, not, not anybody that you're super fired up about. Um, you know, on the XF show, I, I did say I, I like Hunter Henry kind of in that same zone as Mike Gesicki. Uh, I right. think he's maybe a little bit lower for me than Gesicki, but, Uh, You know, a a lower end tight end option for for an offense that historically seems to just love throwing to tight ends. Um, But other than that, this is just a a very classic Patriots roster where you have two or three guys at each position that you're like, yeah, any one of these guys could emerge maybe as the number one. Um, That's just kind of how they operate at the skill positions.
1: Yeah. So we talk a lot about receivers taking the first three rounds of the NFL draft. The Pats spent a second round pick on Taequann Thornton, and I've heard precious little buzz about him. And my ear is pretty low to the ground, and I, I, I don't yeah. hear a whole lot on him, except that the pick was kind of panned at the time, uh, out of Baylor, kind of a little mm-hmm. undersized, uh, at least weight-wise, I think 6'2", but like 180. Uh, yeah. People didn't expect them to t- – in fact, their first couple picks were surprises yeah. to to the consensus. Now, the consensus is often wrong, but unfortunately, so are the pats when it comes to wide receivers in the draft. You mentioned the keel area as one good option of that. The latest uh, example, I'll- yeah. Yeah, so maybe Thornton breaks his way in a little bit there, but I, ne- I never see anybody taking him in drafts.
2: No, not at all. I, like you said, we we have no notes on him since draft night. I mean, there's been nothing at all. And there's been nothing negative. So maybe maybe that is a good thing in some ways. But uh, very unpatriots patriots like pick, uh, just the type of player and, and certainly where they selected him uh, in the 2022 draft. I Right now, I, I don't think he can be a target in fantasy. I mean, at some point, we're going to have to start hearing something about him. But, uh, you know, the Patriots don't really seem like the type of team that's going to produce, uh, you know, all of a sudden a a second-round pick who's going to become fantasy viable in year one. I think they're pretty content to kind of grind it out like they did last year.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, I kind of like Kendrick Bourne. Uh, You know, you're getting him again. This is another one of those where it's just a lottery ticket at the end of the draft. I mean, but again, it's the weekend-week-out nature of it. Can you actually start him? I mean, you can start him as a pickup. Yeah. But... uh, I, you know, I, I want to draft people that I I can see a path to where I can start them on a regular basis. And Bourne seems like more like a bi week fill in, uh, you know, yeah. flex player type of thing. Another best ball player, uh, which mind if you're playing a best ball league, it's fine. But I agree with your take on Henry. I like Henry. I'll, I'll probably have a, a, a share or two of Devonte Parker. I'm not a I'm not an anti Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think where it gets interesting is at running back. I mean, this is a team that is going to run the ball a ton. And they'll pass to their backs. There's some a lot of buzz that James White might get cut. He's on the PUP list already. Yep. Uh they drafted Pierre Strong, who might have been the fastest running back in the draft. Uh a lot of speed. You know, he's named Strong, but he's fast. Uh you know Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, though. I mean, both come pretty cheaply. There's a lot of positive buzz on Stevenson lately that his ADP seems to be climbing. Uh mm-hmm. but I think both both are pretty good useful players and i i draft we did two drafts in vegas uh back like i did the vegas draft with you and then i did the in vegas i also did a super flex draft where i actually ended up with stevenson um mm-hmm. i'm not really pro or against one or the other i like both guys i think they're both talented backs
2: well you took stevenson in that league and then you took damien harris uh in the league that i did with you so you, you ended up with a mm-hmm. share of both and you know in that league we drafted together stevenson and harris went six picks apart in the same round. so yeah to me, I mean, that that says that people view this as a true 50-50 right now. I, I think you'll normally see Damian Harris listed as the RB1 on that depth chart, but I, I think consensus is that it's close to a true timeshare.
1: Yeah. 80th in the NFFC and uh, ADP for the month of July for Harris. For Ramondre, it's uh, 102. So that gives you an idea okay. of the spread. But Ramondre has his partisans. Uh, he's gone as early as 73 in the draft. So uh, in, in drafts there and 120 drafts. Not sure what his underdog is, but I think it's close. I think the gap is narrower in underdog, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, anywho, uh I like both backs. Uh, how about Mac Jones? Are you adding Mac Jones anywhere?
2: I haven't yet. I mean, certainly I, I don't mind him as a, you know, a second QB option, you know, just a, a one week fill in, you know, if you have, I don't know, if you have Josh Allen and you need somebody for a buy, you could grab Mac Jones. I mean, it's I, kind of going back to, to what we said about Tua. It, it's, part of it is just by virtue of how many good quarterbacks there are right now, you don't always have to dip down that far, you know, unless you're just trying to fill out your roster and and grab a second or a third quarterback. Um, You know, certainly he's not really somebody you're you're ever targeting as a uh, QB one in a one quarterback league. So no, I, I mean, I haven't really found myself thinking about Mac Jones all that much. I I think he's almost more fun to analyze in like a real life context of, you know, how effective he could be versus fantasy, because as of right now, like there's just too much talent above him where he's just not really all that relevant.
1: Right. Agreed. Uh, especially in the AFC where yeah. it's just, it's loaded at the loaded. position. So loaded. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad for franchises that don't have their franchise QB in that, that conference there. Yeah. I well, luckily there aren't too many. Yeah. I, I don't ever feel bad for the Steelers. So screw those no, guys. No, no. Uh, but anyways, that's the Erickson bias kicking in right there. Let's move on. Uh, we got more, t- one more team left. They are the JTSS JT. Okay. Wow, I might edit this podcast. That's, yeah, that,
2: that's how fired up we are to talk jets. Yeah,
1: talk jets. Okay, so there was no buzz on Zach Wilson until a week ago, and then oh, oh, what happened there? Uh, it wasn't for on-field exploits. It was uh, for who he's sleeping with. But yep. um, funniest thing I saw was a mock uh, football card of Stifler's mom. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. But <laughs> that's exactly uh,
2: like the image of what you picture when you when there's a rumor that you're you know uh, involved. We'll say with uh with, with an older woman. Yes, exactly there.
1: However, Zach Wilson, I think there's things, reasons to be excited about, it. even though Mike White was a better quarterback last year uh, than Wilson, yes. at least for the times they were starting. But I mean, you want to talk about a team that invested in him. They this is the anti-Chicago Bears approach. The Bears yep. they stripped down and made it worse for Justin Fields. The Jets, they they last year they signed Corey Davis. This year mm-hmm. they signed two tight ends, Uzama and Conklin. And most importantly, first round picking Garrett Wilson. Trade up for to, to draft Brees Hall. Uh, they went out and they signed one of the best uh, offensive linemen in Lake and Lakin Tomlinson in the in the uh, in free agency. I mean, they went out of their way to go out and try to make things better for them. Now, both of his tackles, starting tackles, are on the pup list right now in George yes. Fant, Makai Becton. So that's something to watch for a little bit there. there. Is one thing he didn't have last year was time. He did not have time to throw the ball, and all these weapons don't matter if you can't find them.
2: Right. And I mean, we didn't even mention Denzel Mims, who was a second round pick a couple of years oh, ago. I mean, it, it hasn't it hasn't been great uh, his first two years, but uh, still, you know, a, a guy that people were excited about, at least at the time. I mean, it's yeah. Like you said, you, you oftentimes don't see teams make this level of investment until the quarterback actually proves himself. But I think the Jets are putting Zach Wilson in as much of a possible position to succeed as they can, which, look, when you spend that kind of draft capital on a quarterback, I think you owe it to him. To at least put this kind of supporting cast around him, so yeah, I, I, I like what the Jets did. I mean, it, it, I think if you're a Jets fan, you're you're still probably looking at the division and saying like, well, we have no chance to beat Buffalo. Both Miami and New England are are still you know a step or two ahead of us, but at least we're putting a fun product out on the field. I mean, this is this is a Jets team that's still most likely going to struggle to win games and probably going to finish with like four or five wins, but it's going to be a lot more fun than last season. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you have some really really fun skill position players on this team, you have two running backs that are exciting. I mean, Elijah Moore went off the board in the fifth round uh, of our Vegas draft. I, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a Corey Davis believer, but I, I'm still semi intrigued by what Corey Davis could be a former top 10 pick. Uh, and then, you know, the fact that we have Garrett Wilson, you know, who some saw as the number one receiver in this draft, like we have him slot in as their wide receiver three to begin the year. Like that says a lot, you know, oftentimes if you're a really bad team, taking a, a receiver right away, he's kind of automatically the number one guy. And I, I kind of like that, you know, they have at least enough experience around Garrett Wilson that um, he'll be able to pick his spots a little bit more and there won't be these massive expectations for him to you know, help carry what what is going to still be a pretty shaky offense. I mean, I, I guess I should ask you before we really dive in, like where are you at on Zach Wilson? Are, are as of now, based on what you saw last year, would you say you're in or out?
1: So if you're basing on what I saw last year, I'm out uh, yeah. if, uh it's based on, my projection of what could be I'm still probably out, but I don't know. I mean, man, I, I want to believe, I want to believe that all, all around the, you know, all the, all the, all around improvements have made him good enough that you want to have roster, but I I can't. Uh, I'll say I'm in on Elijah Moore. I'm probably out on Garrett Wilson in redraft only Mm -hmm. because I think Corey Davis exists. I mean, he spent good money going to get him. He's a veteran that he's going to get, He's going to get a share of targets. And I I think Elijah Moore is all that he is. You know, we saw he just can't stay healthy. That was the problem for him last year. I I still want to get a lot of Elijah Moore. I don't think I'll get a lot of Garrett Wilson this year. I just think there's just so many mouths to feed. Uh, Even Braxton Berrios can play. I mean, he's probably better than uh, you know Mims. And I think he'll he'll be on the field when they go four wide and. I, you know, they they got – Conklin seems like more the receiving tight end than Uzama is more the blocking tight end, but that's not how it really worked in Cincinnati, so I don't know if that's going to ma- maintain that way. Uh, I think that might just be a line just because Uzama's a little banged yeah. up too. And then there's the running backs. Uh, we had Allen on the show today, and he was talking how – don't they were preaching, don't draft Brees Hall in the fourth round, and he took Brees Hall in the fourth round. So, I don't know. I, I'm i probably not taking Hall in the fourth round just because of the timeshare with he and Carter.
2: Yeah, it just seems like a – you know, you, you want to draft a rookie, you know, you kind of want to be the first one in on somebody. Um, and I think that's leading to a little bit of inflation for Brees Hall. And, you know, I mean, he's he was a very productive college running back. He was the first running back off the board, but you know, mm-hmm. it's not like he has the Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor type of pedigree. He's just not that type of guy. So that's not to say he can't be productive, but yeah, I, I don't think I'd be, I'm comfortable taking him in the fourth round, especially when you consider uh, the specter of Michael Carter, I mean to go back to Garrett Wilson. Like I, I think there's a ton to like about Garrett Wilson as a prospect. Sure. Uh, he went midway through the 11th. Uh, Sasha Yodashkin took him in the 11th round in Vegas. Like I think that's appropriate value. That that was I'd agree before, if you get him
1: there. 100% agree. Right.
2: That was just before Jameson Williams, Tim Patrick, McCole Hardman. So you know it gives you kind of a a view of the other guys that were on the board at that time. So I, I, with that pick, I think it's totally fine. I I, I just I'm not a Zach Wilson guy right now either it felt like he had that one good game i think it was against tennessee the game when the titans had no receivers and you know zach wilson had some big time throws in that game but other than that you know that game was kind of carrying his entire reputation for the rest of the year and I, i think he had no picks the last like five or six games of the year there was there was some sort of progression um but at the same time it's like both he and trevor lawrence it felt like struggled last season but i like i like a lot more when i saw from Trevor Lawrence game to game, even, even the mistakes that he made were more, you know, quote, unquote, good mistakes. Whereas some of Zach Wilson's were like alarming, like, what are you doing type of mistake? Like Sam Darnold esque, Um, Yes, exactly. Sam Darnold esque, like just, you know, in in over your shoulders uh, type of mistakes. And that worries me. So like, I like Garrett Wilson, the talent, I think if he was on a different team, I would really be trying to target him. But I I just, the quarterback situation, like I'm not even that worried about like Corey Davis. I, I just think, it's way too shaky of a quarterback situation to feel confident uh, about drafting Garrett Wilson.
1: Yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. You may, maybe one thing is if like Wilson buy, you know, Connects with them quickly. That would be one thing that might because yes. and if he just starts leaning on him, looking to him first as the first read, that's the pathway to him being you know fulfilling that value. He's actually not that heavily priced. He's at one twelve in the eighty ADP in the NFFC. Yeah. The range of eighty two to one thirty nine. So it's a pretty wide range. Uh, Sasha definitely got him at the bottom end of that range in our draft. So good for him. Yeah. Um, any other Jets thoughts? Uh,
2: have not spent a ton of time thinking about the New York Jets. Uh, I'm going to no. be honest with you, but. Like I said, healthy healthy to do that. Right. Exactly. I I do think they will be a fairly fun team by New York Jets standards. You know, even when they were good at the end of the last decade, like they, I guess two decades ago now, geez, um, you know, they still weren't really a fun team. They were kind of grinding it out. They were winning with defense. Those, You know, Mark Sanchez is quarterbacking. Like they're going to be really fun to watch. It might be, it might be comedic at times, depending on what we see from Zach Wilson, but Elijah Moore is really fun. Garrett Wilson's going to be really fun. Um, and I, I think that the Hall Carter breakdown is going to be something that we spend a lot of time, uh, you know, kind of debating and, and probably complaining about throughout Fun. this entire season.
1: Yeah. 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 We'll see about that for sure. Well, even last year with Carter, we were complaining for a while, cause it took him a while to work them in. So right. uh, they're, they're different type of back, I suppose. Uh, we're going to have a lot more to talk about draft strategy as we go throughout uh, draft season, but there's one quick draft question here from Rod. Yes. Should I load up on the running on running backs, the first three rounds? And, I, that's not how I typically draft. I think it is a, a viable method uh, to to build your depth early, and then you know take advantage of the depth at wide receiver later and go volume at wide receiver. I prefer to to get at least one of those top receivers the first couple of rounds. I, I don't really like going three backs. I think in previous years that's that's worked better. I just I, I'm not comfortable building that way. Uh, it can, it can work. What about you, Nick?
2: I, I'm not either. I always try to go balance. Um, you know, if it, for example, if I get Joe Mixon with my first pick, I, I'm not, I'm not for sure taking a receiver with that next pick, but I'm leaning that way. You know, if there's, if there's a tie between, I don't know, DeAndre Swift and Stefan Diggs with that next pick, if I took a, if I took a running back in round one, I'm probably going to lean receiver there. Uh, I'm with you. I, I think you want to have at least one of those guys. It doesn't have to be cup Jefferson or chase, but right. I also don't want my number one receiver to be, I don't know, like, Rashad Bateman. No, no offense to, to anyone. No, no, no. He's my favorite number
1: four receiver. That's yeah, all.
2: exactly. He's your number four yeah. guy on that team. And if you wait long enough, I mean that's what you're talking about. Like, you know, right. I feel like we've been piling on Luke Cooper's draft in Vegas. I mean, he went all upside. He's got McCaffrey, Barkley, uh, Allen Robinson, Elijah Moore, Trey Lance. Um, it's he's either going to take first or last in this league, it feels like, but he was the only guy who went three running backs to start. And you know, his number one receiver is Allen Robinson, who I like a lot as a number two or a three guy, but even though there's a ton of depth, that receiver, you know, you can still feel pretty good about filling out an overall roster, but you're just going to be behind the pack. You know, if those are the type of players that are your top, you know, reliable guys week to week.
1: Exactly. Right. Rod, thanks for the question. Appreciate you there. Appreciate everybody that's tuning in today. Uh, We're going to be at you at this time, every, almost every Monday. And certainly we will be doing it every Monday together here. Uh, So thanks for tuning in tomorrow. We've got uh, Joe and Jake uh, starting up as every day. we got a fantasy football podcast for you. On Wednesday, I'll have Christopher Harris joining me uh, as the guest of the industry guest podcast that we do every Wednesday here. So thanks, for everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back at you again next Monday. Take care.
3: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing.